Who's ready for the word of God today? You ready for the word of God today? Well, I'm ready to preach it. And, you know, I'm thankful. And, and I, I will say that I am learning this and I'm continuing to grow into this. Um, I'm learning not to be so much a raider of Sundays, but I'm learning to be obedient to what the Lord has asked of me. And I really believe this. I believe that everyone that gets up here and they teach from the Bible here at Merrimack Heights Church, I believe that these are people that God is sending for certain moments of time, be that a week or two weeks, to invest in this church, to move us to another place. And I'm happy this morning to be able to make an investment again in the church that the Lord has called me to pastor. I need your help. I want you to turn to somebody right there around you, and I want you to just say, walk it. So I'm, I'm going to give you just another opportunity in just a minute, but I want to build this up just a little bit. I, I want you to say it in a way that there's a heart of expectancy I want you to say it in a way that, that you believe today is going to be a big breakthrough in their life, even beyond yours. I want you to say it with a sense of urgency, as we see Jesus do all throughout the New Testament. Turn to somebody, and with some passion this morning, just give me a good walk it. You know, we, we can't just talk it, can we? We've got too many people that are walking around on a planet, and they're talking about doing great things. They're talking about fields that are white and ready for harvest, but the laborers are few. They're talking about what a church could do, what a city could do. They're talking about what prayer could do. They're talking about what fasting could do. They're talking about what would happen if I would ever assimilate my gift. They're talking about what would happen if I would become a member with that body. They're talking about what would happen if I would invest in sending a kid to camp. They're talking about what if I would be generous. They're talking, but who knows? God says we got to walk it. It's not just allowing some things to come out of our mouth and reverberate throughout the air so that somebody can hear it. We've got to walk this thing out. And can anyone testify with me if this is a value to you? Sometimes it's easier to talk it than walk it. As I was preparing, I began to think through this. One of our first major victories for many of us in life coming onto this earth as a human being, is walking. Who remembers learning how to walk? None of us. Because unless there was an extenuating circumstance, and, and sometimes there are, and I'm not here to belittle that because everybody has a different entrance into this life in some way, but you weren't learning to walk at five or six. You were learning to walk before you even remember how you learn to walk. You're, you're learning. You can't look back on it. I remember the day. I remember the day. It was incredible. It was incredible as I just walked across that living room. Dad wasn't even there. He was on a trip. Mom had to video it and Vimeo it to him. I learned. We don't remember that because it happened so far back in our life, right? I, I think of our own process seeing five kids learn to walk, which let me say is very awkward to the one watching, not to the one learning, because it's just life process. It's an instinct. It's, to us, it's like, oh, they, they're, they're walking, they fall, they eat it. Who's ever saw that? It's like, oh, that had to hurt, baby. You cry with them. But to them, it's not so awkward. I mean, it doesn't necessarily feel right, but it's just part of the process. I don't remember which one, Joy. You can help me with this, but one of our kids... 
they would lay on the ground on their back. They would lift up their feet so their back was off the ground, and they would start scooting until they rubbed a spot on their head, almost bald. It was just thin in the back, right? Because that was their process. It was a process. Um, you remember this. They're, they're sitting up, and, and it looks so good. They're sitting up, and you prop them up, and then you move out of the way because it seems like they have it down. And what happens? They fall over, and you feel bad because they hit the hard toy that was right there by them, and you thought, I should have moved it because it was a process. They learned to pull up their own weight. Do you remember that day? Like they're at the couch, and they grab onto the side of it, and they lift themselves up. They had done it a 100 times, but their legs weren't yet strong. And all of a sudden, they pull themselves up, and they're standing right there at Grandma's house. Who remembers these moments? They're learning how to walk. They, they start catching or holding on to things all throughout the house, any structure that they could find to find this point of balance. And as we look through it, really, a few coffee table corners later and, and a few dents and dings, and the child is in a state of what we call equilibrium. Who's thankful for equilibrium? Who is thankful for balance? Who is thankful in this room that you learn to walk and your children and grandchildren are going to learn to walk? Parents who sat for hours on opposite sides, extending their arms. Come here. Come, come, come to dada. Come, come to mama. Come, 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 on, come on, you got it, you got it, you got it. For what we've spent hours practicing in and working with him on the feet has been accomplished the goal has been shattered and all of the props now can be kicked out of the way for the most part why because this child has learned to walk we've coached them through the way and then they have a suddenly moment and it's so awesome when we live in those suddenly moments who praised your kid pretty good when they learned to walk you know, it could be heard in the house, and for some of you, the community that you live in. Um, the child definitely heard it. You praised big, and maybe even a tear ran down your face. The road has been long. The road has been arduous, but baby boy and baby girl have learned to walk. It's a remarkable feeling. The, the cheers are amplified. It's a moment that, that we won't forget, no matter how many kids that we have. The feat has been performed. The trophy can be given. And all of a sudden, through the tears and through the laughter and through the coaching and through the falls, you realize the rules of the game have now changed. <laughs> Where I used to be able to confine them just a little bit, where I used to not have to worry so much because I might put them in a baby bed as they went to sleep and leave the room and they were going to be okay. Or I had, now we've got everything for kids. I, I had, the, all of them are somewhat cages, but we put a little plastic thing in the living room, a little barrier. We, we leave them in those boundaries, but now they walk. And who understands when they walk, things begin to change. Can somebody shout this morning, walk it? How can it be so difficult? Putting one foot simply in front of the other. How can it be so challenging? Things are challenging if you've never participated in them, aren't they? Things are challenging if you've never walked in that realm. For us, we can't look at the infant and say, I can't believe you can't walk. Why? Because you have learned how to walk. 
You've not only walked through the process, you've went through all of the things to be where you're at. So challenging, yet so rewarding. The longer I live, I learn this. The more challenging things in my life that I have to walk through. Watch this. The more challenging things sometimes that I am the cause of. Who's ever had one of those? When you learn from it, when you grow from it, man, the reward on the other side is such an incredible blessing. When you've had to walk through some of these moments, so rewarding when we found our balance in the, in the physical, but so much more rewarding when we find our equilibrium spiritually. And I want to give you just four verses here. I would like for you to write them down. They're checkered all throughout Scripture, thematic to our day this morning. The first one is in Genesis 13, verse 17. And, and it says this, Genesis 13, 17, Arise, walk in the land through its length and its width, for I give it to you. Genesis 13, 17, God tells us we're going to have to what, church? Walk. Somebody shout walk. The second verse I want to give you is Deuteronomy 13, 4. Matthew, do you have those scriptures in the back? Thank you, sir. Deuteronomy 13, 4. It says this, you shall walk after the Lord your God and fear him and keep his commandments and obey his voice. You shall serve him and hold fast to him. I love this holding fast because it's the picture of a prop. Have you ever been walking with somebody and you're about to fall and you grab onto somebody and you hold fast to them? Is anyone thankful that you can hold fast to the Lord your God? He's there with you. But here again in Deuteronomy 13.4, Merrimack Kites Church, God says we're going to have to what? We're going to have to walk. We could keep going. I could give you numerous scriptures. 1 Kings chapter 6, verse 12. So if you walk in my ways to keep my statues... Statutes, there's, there's an if here. So there's an if connected to the walk. So if you walk in my ways to keep my statutes and my commandments as your father David walked, then I will lengthen your days. One thing that I have seen in most every environment that I've been in, when one was passing from this life to the other, there was a fight and a struggle to lengthen their days. They wanted to move to that, that place on the other side. They wanted to move to their eternal reward. But there's still a struggle to leave this space, isn't it? The ones that love us and care about us. And David, here, here in First Kings, we are reminded through the life of David that God will lengthen our days if we walk in his statute, statutes. First John chapter 2, verse 6 so, so we've got the Gospel of John, and then we have 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John right there by Revelation at the end of the Bible. And, and it says this in 1st John 2, 6. He who says he abides in him ought himself also to what? To walk just as he walked. Now, this is, a, this is a tension scripture. Because what this says is, if I say that I abide in him, I ought to be walking like him. Who's ever been struggling to abide in him because you weren't walking in him? Now, I'm not talking about a heavy message. I'm talking about his ways are higher. He said, be ye holy as I am holy. Who feels holy every week of your life? 
Whoever feels like that response that came out of your mouth wasn't real holy. Whoever feels like the way that you dealt with your neighbor wasn't real holy. Who feels like sometimes the way that you dealt with church folk wasn't that holy? But, but he says, if we abide in him, we ought to walk like him just as he has walked. And it caused me to think of this. If grandparents and parents and aunts and uncles and cousins and family and friends and community loves it, when they see our child who wasn't walking, now walking, and it's the cutest thing in the world, just getting it down. It looks like this little human is walking in the park. You're like, they're walking now. How much more would Daddy God be excited about when we learn to walk in his ways? If that feeling is in you, who do you think that feeling came from? And his ways are higher than ours, and his thoughts are higher than ours. And I just think sometimes that God gets off of that throne and begins to give you just a little hand clap because baby girl, baby boy is learning to walk. They're learning to walk in me as I I am in them, this acquired skill that I hope they get. I just believe that God gets a thrill out of it. And I think sometimes we can live with this improper perspective of our Heavenly Father. And, and some of us might think here, well, m- my view of my Heavenly Father or God from what I've heard is this. Is God is waiting. Oh, oh, he wants me to walk. He wants me to get my equilibrium. He wants me to get my balance. But he's just watching for the moment that I fall so that he can judge me. And I want to tell you something, my friend. That is not in the Bible. Will God judge you? You will be judged. I will be judged. Does the Lord like sin? I'm going to call it what it is. Sin is sin. It is not a mess up. Yes, it is missing the mark. It is missing the mark, but the missing of the mark is tracked back to a word called sin. The Lord does not like our sin. Yes, his grace is enough. But I want to tell you right now, he is working with you. If you are a believer, God is not hoping that you stumble and fall. He's like a parent. He hopes that you kind of get through life without a lot of scars. He's working with you. He doesn't hate you, but who understands he does hate sin. And sin causes us to struggle. So what I want us to do today is I want us to, I want us to join Paul. He's in a darkened prison cell in Rome at this time. And he's going, to, he's going to unveil a mystery. Does anybody in here like mysteries? Well, what we're getting ready to talk about is, is a mystery. And it's a beautiful mystery. And we're going to go, you can turn in your Bibles to Ephesians. And we're going to go to Ephesians. And we're going to see an epistle That is unlike any other epistle. It doesn't make it better or worse. It's God's word. It's all good, right? And it's all profitable and helpful. But this epistle is unlike any other because it reveals a mystery that Paul wants us to see through the vehicle of the Holy Spirit as he puts pen to paper. Now, these are the, some excerpts. I can't, we're not teaching through the entire book, but I want to get, give you parts of this mystery. The book of Ephesians shows that the Heavenly Father had a desire to form a body that would express Christ's fulfillment on earth. Did you know that is the hope of God? Yes, he did die, and yes, he rose again and disappeared into heaven, but he left the church, or, or he left his church in our hands. So he wanted to, Ephesians, he wanted to assemble a body that would 
fulfill his desire on heaven here in earth. He, he desired for a sphere and a connectivity and a unity to happen between the Jew and the Gentile. Some of you have been taught well on that. This is, we have been grafted in. Who's thankful for that today? You know, I'm not, I'm not Jewish. I'm not a Jew. I'm grafted in. I'm a Gentile. I, I am a man of faith. Ephesians shows us how all of that happened and what the heart of the Father was. It was a desire. The, the heart of the Father was not, hey, I hope you fall while you're learning to walk this thing so I could judge you. No, Ephesians shows this. His heart is that the church, this unified body, would be equipped, that they would be empowered, and that they would be matured as believers so that they would model here on earth Christ's victory over sin. So since he became sin who knew no sin and he lived among us and was tempted in every way in which we were yet without sin, God would say, hey, I'm going to go ahead and come into you and that same power is living in you. So you're going to go out and you're going to be a model that we don't have to live in our sinful nature. And the church shouted a big amen. We're thankful for what the Father is showing. We're thankful for the desire and how he gave Paul these words sitting in a Roman, dusty, dark, cold prison. But I'm very thankful that I believe this this book of the Bible, this epistle, Ephesians, is the Father saying, hey, learn how to walk. Somebody say walk it this morning. And we go to Ephesians chapter 2. Verses 1 and 2, we are bypassing chapter 1. Does not mean that it's not important. I'm just not teaching through the entire book. So if you would like to on your own time this week to read through Ephesians chapter 1, I welcome you to do that. I admonish you to do that, and I promise you it will not hurt you. It will help you. Amen? Ephesians chapter 2, verses 1 and 2. And I'm reading out of New King James. And he made, and you, he made alive who were dead in trespasses and what? Sins. Not just a little mess up, not I should do the right thing. No, in your sins. In which you once walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience. Now, not all the time, But sometimes for us to advance in who we are called to be in Christ, we need to to go back to where we were to see where we need to go. Amen? Now, some of us, some of us have fallen into this perspective or picture. And I've I've even heard it taught. And I want you to I want you to grab the essence of this this morning. Well, yeah, when God's delivered you, don't think about your past. Well, I, I believe that. I don't, I don't think that we dwell on our past. Well, if God delivers you, it's all forward. Think positively. Don't worry about what happened. Well, well, I agree with that. We need to think in line with Scripture, and we need to think the thoughts of the Father, not the power of positive thinking. No, the power of the Word, living and alive in our life. Yeah, if you've been delivered, if God's delivered, no, don't, don't ever go back. But here's where I wrestle with that tension. That's not what the Bible teaches. And through scripture in the Old Testament and New Testament, God will take us back and show us where we used to be to calibrate and keep us and also advance us into where we need to be. You know why? Some of us just 
plain, plain old, lose sight of where we are now. Some of us, it might do good for you to think of how cleaned up you are now and how you're walking in him and talking in him and dancing in him and speaking in him and I could give the interpretation in him, but you've lost sight of where you used to be, dirty, broken, alone, without a savior. So if I can walk in him and dance in him and prophesy in him and sing like him, then I need to reach back into a world of people that were just where I was. Sometimes you got to go back to get to where you need to be. All of us. It would do some of us good. Matter of fact, I have a little bit of an object lesson at the end of this. The Bible says in this opening passage of scripture in 2.1, it says that he made you alive. Now, some people say, hey, I only read King James because King James is, is, is the right text. Well, King James is a good text, but if we go back to the original, it wasn't written in English. King James made that happen so that the common people could actually read it because they were taught like Latin and, and all these things. And people would literally sit through services not knowing what anyone said. Had no grasp of, of scripture. So the King James does help. But we still take it back to the original to learn even what the King James is saying. King James uses the word, and he quickened. That word quickened means to make alive. It means to resurrect, to wake up. Has anybody ever had to quicken their child on a morning that it was time to get ready for school? You could yell all you wanted. You tried all the tricks. I mean, you're throwing tennis balls at them. Nothing. But you go and you start shaking them and you quicken them and you wake them up out of their slumber. Do you know that's what God did in you? He quickened you. He woke you up. Did you know, church, I'm sorry, I'm not here to judge you. I'm here to join Paul as he writes from this Roman prison. Did you know that Paul is saying that you were dead in your sins? Did you know, yes, there are some cleaned up people here today, but did you know all of us came into the world broken and we even messed it up more? And we were broken and we were messed up and we needed a savior and there was an emptiness in our life and the only way we could come to the Father is him drawing us and us accepting that invitation. He quickened. Sometimes we have to go to these these back there moments that Back there, something was taking place, and back there, something was transpiring, and back there, something was... Sometimes we just have to go back. Now, shout this out with me. I'm alive. Who is thankful that you are alive today? I'm thankful that I'm alive, but I'm also cognizant, and I'm also aware of the text of Ephesians chapter 2, and I'm, I'm privy to see what Paul is doing for the life of me as a believer today to say, Brian, let's just go back a little bit because back here there was a different pattern in your life. Do you remember what it was like back there? That was a rough road, wasn't it? I mean, back there even seemed to be good at times. You're like, this is pretty easy because I don't have to do what all those people over there are doing. They got to live by that law and that letter and everything the pastor says they try to live. But I know them. They mess up. I saw them mess up. So you're in this moment. You're in your back there moment. And, and I don't know about you, but in your back there moment, you had a way to your walk, didn't you? 
in your back there moment. We, we won't stay there long because we're not supposed to dwell on the past because we're pressing forward to the high calling of God on our life. But in your back there moment, how many of you have some really, really ugly attitudes? In, in your back there moment, the way that you spoke to people, how, can somebody, can somebody, how many of you had some things come out of your mouth back there you're just not real proud of? In, in your, when you're journeying, when you look back and you get in your back there moment, your, your cadence, your rhythm, your meter was not synced up with God at all. You tried to look like you were okay back there, but who could testify? I was falling apart back there. But sometimes the saints of God have to focus on the back there to move to where they need to be. Somebody shout this morning, walk it. There was a pattern. There there was a way to your life back here that didn't sync up for what your heavenly father had for you. You were already tripped up, dinging your head on every corner of life. You are already falling over this and falling into this, and here's a pit. You, you, you didn't just try to step around it. You, you knew there was, you just jumped on in it. Don't tell me the Father is trying to make life worse. You were really, really, really messed up back there, church. But God came in, and he said, hey, I know you're living back there. There's a better way over here. Now, who's thankful for the over there? I'm thankful that I don't have to live in the back there, that I can live in the over there, but I'm going to need help. And what I have to learn to do is I have to learn to walk it. In Ephesians 2, 1 and 2, darkness had filled the lives of these individuals. It was filled with detours of disobedience. Matter of fact, as we read through it, 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 was, led by, it was led by a power of, or a spirit that works in the sons of disobedience and in this moment, there was a, in other words, the, the spirit or this power of the spirit, the power of the air is another rendition is used. What would happen is there was a sphere of influence that the enemy would have. Have you ever just felt that you were walking in a situation that had the wrong spirit? You know what I'm saying? And, and as to a mature believer, that's not, that's not anything that has to be awkward or, oh, oh my goodness, I need to be scared of it. We do need to be aware, aware but not scared. Why? Because we have the power living in us. We don't need to be afraid of the devil. We need to be aware. The Bible says your adversary, we don't need to be, I can't believe it, Pastor, I just can't. You know what you need to do? If you're a believer, you need to stand in the confidence of the Lord, and you need to break down that spirit and that hold in the situation. God has not called us. Why would we run back to the corner and run from the enemy the thing that contained the power or the spirit of the air or a spheric influence, why would we run over in the corner when we have God living on the inside of us? Speak to it. No, I'm not going to be bound by this fear in my home. Some of you, when you're walking through something, all of a sudden fear raises its head. That's not God. You've been through it before. You've walked through this before. Things were going pretty good, and all of a sudden you get a report about your kids, and you're sitting there. You can't sleep at night. That spirit is not God. I'm not saying we can't be moved to intercession and moved to passion, but sleepless nights here, there, everywhere, my own health is getting That's not God. I've got to rise up and put my foot down with God in me and say, no, sir. 
And and then what do I do? I don't just give paragraphs of my own word. I go to the word of God and I begin prophesying and speaking over my situation and my family. These detours that people would get in, it was these atmospheric situations. It was the domain of the address of the domain holder at that time would have been deeds of disobedience. It was in the back there. Do you remember this song? Because I... I was thinking through this. I've had back there moments, although I've been saved for a long time. I still have back there moments. We all have back there moments. There are many types of sin in our life. One is the sin of commission, and that means where you committed a sin. Who's done that one? That's a bear, isn't it? You're like, man, I did that. I know the Lord told me not to do that. Who has lived miserable for a long time? where you couldn't even accept the grace and the love of the Father and the help of the Father. So that's one. You committed a sin. But sometimes we sin by omitting what we're supposed to do. So the Lord said to do this, and this is where the church is like, well, I'm just trying to kind of grow in my gifting, trying to be a little bit more prophetic. No, do what the Lord told you to do. Don't worry about how prophetic or gifted you are. Do what the Lord told you to do. When he said pray for the person standing there, Go ahead and pray for them because the Father told you to do it. Well, some of us, 10, 20, 30 years, I, just, I, I don't know if it's the voice of the Lord. I always feel these promptings. But let's not go into another decade questioning it's the voice of the Lord because as sheep knows his voice, that's what the word says. Do what the Father tells you to do. So don't admit things from Scripture or admit, omit things that he's telling you to do and mark it off as you're just growing in your faith. No, call it a sin if it's a sin. If the Lord's telling you to do it, but you're canceling that out, well, Brian, I don't have enough boldness yet. How can you not have enough boldness when you're filled with power? And if you're not filled with power, there is help for you. The Holy Spirit can come upon you. I want to do more for God, Brian. I just lack power. Well, if you lack dynamite to get it done and do name us to get it done, the Holy Spirit becomes your power, but you got to ask. But Brian, that's, then I got to give up my pride. Yeah, you got to give up your pride, but you exchange it for power. You know what I'm saying? So we sit here and dabble in all these things. Sometimes it's just sin because we've committed it or we've omitted it. It's just no big deal, God. You said it, but I'm going to go another year. You said it with my finances, but forget it. I'm going to go another month. You said it with my marriage, but forget it. I'm going to go another month. I know you're speaking to me, Lord, but I'm, I'm just not there. You said it with my kids, but I'm going to omit it, God. You stirred me and you were plain and you were clear. You spoke to me, but I'm going to go ahead and admit it. Omit it. I'm just going to go on with life that I'm blessed and God's going to return from me. Everything's going to be okay. He's not okay with our sins. He's saying we've got to learn to walk in this. And sometimes to walk in forward motion, we have to go back to where we used to be. Do you remember this song? It says, um, I want, it's, it's it's an excerpt of the song. It says this, I once was lost. But now I'm, that's good. Lord, plant my feet on higher ground. Who just got tired in the spirit of getting flooded out all the time? Who got tired of the storms in the back there moment? Who got tired of all the nonsense that you were walking back through over here, moving through over here? Who came to the Lord in those moments And you felt him strengthen you and help you because your heart was open. 
And he in the spirit planted you on higher ground. Who's thankful for higher ground this morning? Somebody shout walk it in this room. We've got to learn how to walk in this thing. It's not always easy when you've been walking a certain way for a long time. And it's hard to retrain yourself. I was with somebody just the other day and they had had a surgery. And what had happened, I'm not going to go into all these details, but what had happened is this individual, the, the leg had become weak in one side and other areas of the body had compensated. So now they were through their surgery and now they were walking the walk, but it felt awkward because for month upon month upon month, they trained their body to walk another way because of the affliction. Who's ever walked a certain pattern and the Lord gets in your space and say, oh, that's not it. But you've been walking comfortably. You've been walking confidently, competently. You've been walking it. You've been walking it, talking it, saying it, acting it. But the Lord said, that's not me. You've got to walk the way I've told you to walk. Isn't it difficult in physical and spiritual terms to reroute or to retrain ourselves when we've been walking the wrong way? tough. Sometimes that rewalk might be the way you view other people because the hope would be for you that grace is applied when you mess up and when you have error, people would love you, build you up, help you. But when somebody else messes up, you're all over it. I can't believe that. Well, your walk's wrong because if you want grace administered to you, why aren't you giving wheelbarrow loads of grace? Well, Brian, people just need to know. Oh, they do. That's what the Bible says. That's what the Bible says. People just need to know. How many are thankful that some of the stuff you're do- you've done, people just don't need to know? Thank you, Lord. I've confessed my sins. I shouldn't have done that. I shouldn't have acted that way, thought that way. Forgive me. Help me. But we, we, this walking is sometimes, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Scripture says that the way that I dish out judgment That judgment is coming back on me. Somebody's got to walk it today. You're cleaned up self now. You've got it together. You smell right. You look right. You drive right. But you didn't back here. You were miry clay just like the person that's trying to get out of the pit. That Yes, they did. They jumped into it themselves, okay? And you got to say, wow, I've got to tell you there's a better way to walk. It's a struggle. It's tough. It's awkward. It's weird because you've got to retrain yourself. But how many of you want to walk it? I want to walk in the way that my father has for me. I, I need a point of reference. I want to walk. Some of you even right now, you're sitting here, and, and it's easy for us to get pious. You're like, there's Brian talking about how to walk. I've been walking for years, walking with Jesus. Talking. You should see my devotionals at home. I've got 150 of them. Your devotional won't make you walk right. I'm not judging you. I'm speaking truth. I put worship music in my house. Worship music will not keep you from gossiping about a brother or sister in Christ. Well, I do this and I do this and I do this and I do this. And none of that counts for anything without the love of the Father growing in your heart if the motive is right. So, God, I worship 
because I have been broken inside and you redeem me. And when I see somebody else in worship, I worship because I think that you're getting ready to use me and help me overcome my stuff. So I got to put it on this guy, right, for it to be real. So I had a flight last week. And it was a seven, about seven hours with my layover. And I get into California and I had to drive two hours to go to an appointment. And, and I, I was um, on, on flight number two. So I had a layover in LA. How many of you love LA? You love the airport in LA. So you're, you're, you're jumping off this plane to fly into a smaller town. You're getting on the shuttle to get over here. You just hope you have every bag, all your stuff. And I will tell you what, I, I can go, I can go pretty, pretty long. I can push myself. I was wiped out. I got on the plane knowing I had a meeting. I had another flight to catch. I had to get the rental car, get to where I needed to get. Who's ever just had one of those days? And, and I jump on the plane, and I sit down. It's a smaller plane, so there's only two seats there. I had the aisle. There was another, uh, there was another seat open. And you know what my prayer was? Lord, please, please let no one sit in that seat. You ever had one of those moments or just me? I wasn't being honry. I was just tired. And I'm cordial. When people talk, I don't throw the earbuds in and act like I'm not there. I just, that's not Christ-like to me. So I'm sitting there. This young man sits down. And I'm not going to go into the details. But I will say this. The Lord allowed me to share the gospel message all the way from taxiing out to the runway to the landing in the city that I was in. I shared the gospel message of Jesus Christ. Here's the deal. I wasn't on my energy. I was on the Lord's energy. We've got to get back off ourselves. When the Lord says, no, I need somebody to be in the seat, then open your mouth and share what the Lord tells you to share. I'm not saying that everybody you sit by on a plane or whatever you need to start witnessing to. I am telling you when the Holy Spirit tells you. And I had a wonderful moment and still have the connection. Why? Because I was obedient. I will say this. It's not always easy for this guy either. It's not. But if I want to walk in it, I can't get stuck in my plan, in my way. I've got to walk out. Sometimes the old can creep into our new cadence. You've had that before. Come on, church. You got delivered from something right back here. You've been testifying how you testified in life group about how delivered you were. And three days later, you talked about it on Wednesday and on Saturday, that thing reared its head up again. And you had a chance to live delivered or to go back to the camp, which you once left. Walk it. There was an attitude. Some of you are like, I really had an attitude in the past. God's delivered me. Okay. Well, if God's delivered you, you know what we need you to do? Walk it. Well, sometimes that thing just, you know what we need you to do? Walk it. I'll tell you, back here, I just, the way that I, the way, even in church families, I never could really get it down, and I couldn't, I always had this heart of judgment, and I, these, once I thought these guys were just Bible thumpers, and I, I thought this, holy rollers, all this, and then I come into the life of a church, but God's brought me out. Guess what we need you to do? Walk it. Why, I don't really understand church at that level. I, you know what we need you to do? In a body that's healthy, walk it. There are many different opinions in this room. And the church shouted, amen. amen. If you don't believe it, I'll, I'll paint the building pink this week and we'll see what happens next Sunday. <laughs> see what lunch looks like. Some might not have the guts to walk up and say, 
Pastor, it's the color of the shirt that you had on last week. It doesn't work. Some might go, go talk about it over lunch, but we have opinions all over the room. But I will tell you this. We are under the same doctrine and theology. And that means sometimes my opinion comes under the opinion of a body that comes under the opinion of the word of God. If the word of God said, love your enemies, guess what Merrimack Heights Church is going to do? We are going to love our enemies. If, if the word of God teaches, hey, be a servant, wash feet in the community, guess what we're going to do? We've got to wash feet in the community. If the, if, the, if the Bible says, be generous, can I preach this morning? Yeah. What, let me tell you what we need you to do as a local church. If you want to reach into the next thing that God has for us, then can we be generous the way the word says to be generous? Time, talent, and treasure. Can I preach this morning? Don't write fat checks and give none of your time. Don't give a lot of time and not write checks or give financially. Brian, I don't have a lot. Neither did the widow who had a few mites. It's what God breathes on. You know what we need you to do, Merrimack Heights Church? You know what you need me to do? Walk it. Somebody shout walk it this morning. Ephesians 2, 3, just a few more minutes. I've got, I, we're going to, we'll move into next week on this. I knew uh, I couldn't keep you for the amount of content that I had today, so I will yield to that, so we'll get out of here by 3 today, I promise. <laughs> Ephesians 2, 3. Among whom also we all once conducted. Well, if I'm never supposed to look back, why would he say I once conducted? If I'm never supposed to look back of what he delivered me from, then why in the world is Paul so detailed in this letter that he is writing in a darkened prison in Rome? If I'm never supposed to go back here in any way, shape, or form and only look at the abundant life forward, which I need to do, then why is Paul saying this? He says, among whom also we once conducted ourselves. Oh, he's going to go there. In the lusts of our flesh. Everybody look at me right here. Do you know what you lived in back here? You lived in the lusts. Not lust. Lusts of your flesh. Back here. Before I even go on, I feel moved by the Spirit to say this. Don't be in mid-journey with God and still be living in your lusts. Realize what he's delivered you from. Well, Brian, I can't. In him, you can so Paul is saying, yeah, you, you conducted, we, we, we all once, he, he included himself, we all once conducted ourselves in the lusts of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath. So the Apostle Paul, if he was up here speaking today, having written in that prison, and he's standing in front of you and said, hey, just want to remind you of where you all used to be, kids of wrath. That's where you used to be. You had lusts in your heart. You had things in your heart. You had things that were out of control in your heart. You, you had desires of the flesh and mind that you were fulfilling. Who's thankful that you're not back there? 
that he's helping you learn to walk in. It says, by nature, you were children of wrath, just as others. Paul will continue through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, the art of reaching back to reach forward. The art of reaching back to reach forward. The process of reaching back to reach forward. Shall we say the power of looking back so that I can look ahead? Look, the hope would be, look at what I was. Hopefully we can add this to it. If you haven't been with Christ long enough, we believe you will. Look at what I was way, way, way back there. Look at what I was. Look at what I am now. Let me say this. Your steps will take you in the direction of your lustful patterns. You might not like it, but it's true. This word lusts, looked it up in Strong's. I got the original context. I'm not going to try to say the word because I'll botch it up, but I will give you what it means. It means a desire. It means a craving. It means a longing. And it means a desire for what is forbidden. We put that big in our country on sexual things, but it's beyond that. Okay? It's a desire or craving to take that next step or that next deal when I know that I shouldn't. Lusts can be embedded in our heart through various, various, various things. It's a desire of the forbidden thing. Did you know we can lust for ministry? Well, God, I see this and I want to do this and I, but I, 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 that's not what I've called you to do. It's not who I want you to be. That would be backwards to my plan for your life. But, but God, I want to, I want to sing in front of thousands, but you can't carry a tune in a bucket. It's okay. God's got a plan for your life. But, but I, he could supernaturally touch me and heal me and, and then. Well, maybe he doesn't need to heal you. Maybe he just has another plan for your life. We can lust for ministry. We can lust for the spotlight. We can lust for a position. We can lust with our homes. A desire for the forbidden thing. Do you remember in scripture, the, the prophet, is it Haggai or Habakkuk, when the house of the Lord was supposed to be built, he said this, you're back here building your own houses. Not even caring for the work of the Lord. We can lust after property, belongings, clothes, our kids, where our desire is more for this, the temporary, the now, than what the, we, we, can, we can be. These areas can be in our life, embedded in our life. And Paul said, this is, this is where you were. There were two components here. He talks about the flesh and he talks about the mind. And the areas of the flesh was a lust of desiring tactile experiences. When you did a certain thing, it gave you a certain feeling. Those could be in things that we eat, amen. Things that we drink, amen. Those can be things of sexual nature, amen. Those can be things of financial nature. It just feels, who's ever went out and spent a bunch of money and it felt really good? Who's ever had to make the payment the next month and you wish you wouldn't have spent the money? 
So it can be embedded. I'm not trying to tell you what those things are. I'm using some real examples. We, we, can, we can desire this tactile transaction or this tactile thing when it can be just a lust in our heart to have or acquire the next thing. And that's not necessarily a bad thing unless it's been forbidden, unless God even right now said no. Don't fight right now for what God said no. Don't try to manipulate and, and, and squeeze and dance through the stuff and jump over all the stuff for what God said no to now. If he wants you to have it, he will clear the path. Amen? We get trapped in this. So if I'm desiring these things in the body or in the mind, it just means that we got off track. Who's ever been off track? Say amen. So the life of a believer, the Holy Spirit gave me, gave me this last night, the life of a believer will never advance past the functions of fleshly indulgences. The life of a believer. So if I'm a believer and God said no, and I want to indulge in that area of the flesh, I can't just see myself. I'm advancing, I'm advancing, but God said back here, I told you no. But I'm growing, I'm growing, I'm growing, I'm growing, I'm growing, I'm growing, I'm growing. But back here, God said no. The life of a believer will never advance past the functions of their fleshly indulgences. Lord, I want to do this. The life, a a, a sign, let me say it this way, a sign of maturing in your walk with Christ is putting behind you the deeds of the flesh. Christian maturity is not that you can speak better or sing better or do small group better or greet on the parking lot better or be a camp group leader better or go do an outreach better. That is not Christian maturity. We expect that if you're in front of us. Amen? But maturity is when you put behind you the deeds of the flesh. Let me go just a few more minutes. The, the mind, everybody say mind. Because we have the flesh, the fleshly part. It's sinew, it's bone, it's muscle, it's tissue, it's blood, it's vein. It gets cut and it what? It bleeds. That's the flesh. But the mind works a little bit different ways because the mind is a facility. We could say a faculty. And in the mind is understanding, is feeling, and is desire. In the mind, understand this, your feet walk in the path that your mind has conditioned it to walk in. Okay, let's use me for an example. How many of you like chocolate pie? Who's ever had chocolate pie in the refrigerator? Okay. My grandma's kitchen could make some coconut cream pie. Heaven will have it, I guarantee it. So, So it's grandma kitchen's coconut cream pie in the refrigerator, and and let's say that I went and I had a slice, and I'm watching the blues game, go blues, amen, and and I gave you a chance, and and I'm sitting down watching it, and I eat one piece of pie, and I'm, my mouth is salivating right now, all I can think about is what, no, not the blues, the pie, (laughs) my feet do not take me where my mind has not spent time. My feet are not salivating. My mouth is salivating because my mind released it to salivate. Because it's in my mind. So I go and I have another piece of coconut cream pie. It's only the second period. 
So I'm sitting there and I'm trying to focus on anything. I know Joy's coming home. I knew that she knew that the pie was full. No, I had one piece. I had two pieces. We, we just pulled ahead. Victory to myself and to the good old region of St. Louis is, is another piece of pie. But I know I can't. I can't. I can't go back to what I used to be. But the only way not to go back to where I used to be, I got to think of what I used to be when I was back here eating all the coconut cream pie and slamming down all the Coca-Cola that I wanted. I've got to think where I used to be, how it made me feel, how it made life work, the lack of energy I had with my kids, the lack of energy I had with my spouse, the lack of ministry, God help me, that I had in ministry. But I'm sitting there focusing on the past, but I can't overcome it in my mind. So I see myself going to the refrigerator, cutting, who's ever done this? Just one more slice. There's more people than me home. Is Joy going to go interview everybody on if you had pie? So you kind of get these barriers. Well, if it's only half gone, who's ever been there with something so simple? You knew it wasn't good for you. You took yourself back, but your mind would not let go. So your feet went in the direction of the refrigerator. Put that in spiritual things. The Lord said, no, it's not good for you. But you walk to the refrigerator in the spirit. You know you shouldn't have it. It's one piece of pie. You go sit down in the victory of what you're going through, studying more scripture, listening to more Hillsong, right? And the Lord said no, but you find yourself going to the refrigerator again in the spirit, taking another piece of pie. It's only half gone. God will never notice. Somebody shout, walk it. Our mind tells the hands what to do. Our mind leads the feet on a path. Your feet and hands have never done anything that was not first trapped in the boundaries of your mind. Your mind was a seed to bring life to it. If you, if you at the moment, at the moment of that, that, that coconut cream pie... If you would have said, Lord, as Paul did, I buffet my body and I beat it into submission right now. I'm settling for one piece of pie and I need help. Lord, I don't want health situations. I don't want to have problems. I need your strength. God, if I've got to get out of the house, I'll get out of the house. But I'm not going for another piece of pie. Lord, you said that your ways are not my ways. I am not doing this in my own strength right now. Because if I did this in my own strength right now, I would go home and have two Coca-Colas. But I'm not going to do this in my own strength. I'm going to do this with your strength in me. Therefore, I will overcome a caffeine habit in my life and the church shouted what father I, I, this is a battle of the mind my, right now my my feet and hands are not just going to run into this lord i'm gonna help some people today i'm gonna show up at work on time lord i'm a christian i'm a model i'm set apart lord i'm going to say the right thing do the right thing in every situation at work using no excuses on why I shouldn't because I go to your word and it says this right here. Even if they're enemies, I've got to treat them with love. And in my love, they will see the goodness and the greatness of the Lord. And in my love, they will know that I'm Christians and it, I'm, a, I'm a Christian and it's the only way that you said I would rank, by my love. You know what I'm saying? 
Somebody shout, walk it. Paul explains, and, and I'm ending here, Paul explains that there is a reality that begins to gravitate in our life. It's, it's gravity, and, and I want to end just with this, and, and then we'll go into next week. It's when he uses the word the natural man or you're just like the others who have operated in that natural sense, that word nature means this. The word nature means the force it's the force. Yeah, it's the force. It's the laws. It's going to help somebody in the room today. Or it's the order of how things function. That you won't change. Only God can supernaturally change a law that he has put into place. Watch this. What goes up must come what? What is the law? gravity. What goes up? Well, I'll tell you what, church, we're just going to believe for it. I'm going to throw it up and it's just going to, it's going to hang on the ceiling. No, it's not because it's a law. Okay. Watch this. The, the first law of motion. I think there are three laws of motion. The first law of motion is called the law or referred to as the law of inertia. And it means this, an object in motion will stay in motion on the direct path that it's in unless occupied by an unbalanced force. Okay, you ready for this, Ty? Object in motion stays in motion until, until occupied by an unbalanced force. Throw it back to me, Ty. Object in motion. Yeah. I didn't make the team. So, so. object in motion. Stays in motion until occupied or hit or encountered by another force. Meaning, if there were no forces such as gravity, air, this, if those forces weren't at work, I would throw this, it would bypass James, and it would stay on that path until hit by another unbalanced force. So there are forces working for us and against us. Right? We've heard this in, in some of the, may the force be with you. you you've heard that. Here, here's the deal. May God be with you. God is your source, and he is, he is that source in your life. He is that force in your life that helps you. And there are two vying spirits, the spirit of the flesh, the sons of disobedience, and the spirit of life. Now, here's just a couple more. Uh, well, an object at rest, it, it stay, uh, inertia, uh, it's going to stay there until, it's, uh, until another unbalanced force hits it. It's moving, why? My hand didn't just make it move, my mind told, it thought hard enough to say, hey, put this in your illustration, right? So we could do this all day and you would get really bored, <laughs> but it's a law that's not going to change. I'm not going to hit this and it's going to fly off the tie because there's another force drag that's holding it down, pulling at it. A dog returns to its what? You're not going to change it. You could train your dog. Don't eat that. But his natural instinct, I didn't say it. The Bible said it. Your mind 
will eventually direct your feet and hands to what you thought of, pondered, and lusted after. However simple or or, or, um, difficult that is, that's why the Bible says that we need to renew our mind. And we got to walk it, right, church? 